right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here to my left, the biggest fan of the WGC match play and the WGCs in general, Big Randy. Love it. Love it. Lots of money, lots of prestige, lots of points. Big Billy Horschel guy himself as well. TC is here. Hello. We're celebrating Randy's last last week in Jack's here. That's right. And Passover. <laughs> That's right. A double celebration this week. We got No, oh, hold on. Hold you on. can't say that. No, we already said that you're... Oh, yeah. People don't know where we're... Yeah. Yeah. People know you're moving. They just don't know where. Yeah, it's a lot of people don't believe it, though. Okay. Well, it is actually happening. Uh, we have so much golf to talk about. Two PGA Tour events, European Tour, Corn Ferry Tour. We're going to talk some LPGA later in the pod, but for just one second, up front, can we talk about our young hitter, Madeline Sagstrom, on Saturday? She doubled the first hole and then went on to make 11 birdies, Anthony Kim style. Uh, in Madeline's bag are a few of uh, my favorite uh, pieces of equipment, some X-Forged irons, Chromesoft X golf ball, and an Epic Speed driver and fairway wood. She's not the only one on the LPGA Tour playing Epic Woods. Callaway had nearly twice as many drivers in play as the next brand, uh, plus more woods and more irons in play than anyone else as well. Adam Svensson won on the Corn Ferry Tour with an Epic Speed driver and Chromesoft X golf ball. That's his second career Corn Ferry win. Uh, I think Michelle, we had, but I believe an eleven wood in the bag this week. Is that correct? She did. Okay, she did. Yeah. Uh, you can learn a lot more about Epic drivers and woods, including the Epic Max eleven wood at CallawayGolf.com/epic. And right now, there's a limited time fifty percent trade-in bonus when you send in your old stuff for credit towards new gear. So head over to CallawayGolf.com for more on that. I think you have to be a parent to carry an eleven wood. You have to be a parent, mother or father. Okay, so Scotty Scheffler qualifies. Like there. Young, you know, young kids can't carry an eleven wood. Got to be a parent okay. of a human being. Well, I'm just, I still can't wrap my head around Madeline's eleven birdies, and I, she, and she parred the tenth hole, which is par five. I don't really understand that either. But uh, um, all right, where do you guys want to start? What's we have so many good questions to get to. I imagine match play is going to dominate a lot of this. We're going to solve the match play. We're going to be the only ones on any podcast talking about alternative formats. I have a, I have a feeling, but TC, why don't you take us to what what got you riled up about match play this week? I love like the group play is not ideal, but Friday afternoon is awesome. It, I'm going to fight even, you hard on this though. It, I, there's there's some meaningless matches. There's some guys mailing it in when guys in the other matches like are depending upon. Yes. Like, there's a lot of flaws there. I'm I'm not making a value judgment on it. I'm just saying it's an exciting afternoon. Of why is that? Why is that though? Why is it a fun afternoon of golf? Because there's like all sorts of Because it's like sudden death? Exactly. Yeah. There should, it should be sudden death all the way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I thought no, that's what Oh, yeah. No, okay. no, I'm not like, <laughs> but I'm just saying like the best part of Matt, the best part, I, I, I'm a huge fan of this tournament. It's one of my favorites to watch every year because you get to see so many different players that you don't normally get to see a lot of in some, and I love the golf course, just super awkward, quirky golf course. Um, but like the group play is just, and the way that the groups are put together, like there were some definite fluffer groups out there too. Unpack that for me or for the uh, listeners uh, that maybe don't know what yeah. you mean by so, that. So, uh, so let's just go through the groups here. Group one. Can we do, yeah. I want to talk about this group play now, yeah. that, now that we're on it. I think I watch a lot, a lot of golf this week. I honestly, I think I can pair up 
like four or five people off the top of my head. And to, like, these two guys were in the same group this week, memory-wise. When yeah. I'm tuning in to watch Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and I can sit there for five, six hours and watch it, I still don't know who's in what group. They do not, such a bad job of storytelling of like, they don't show you a graphic as to where all the matches are at. They give you no, like there's no, nothing NCAA, no NCAA tournament vibes at all. And I'm just super confused. It's like, all right, wait, is this, does this match meaningful? What happens has to happen in this one for there to be a playoff? And then what happens in this one? And then boom, they're on a different part of the golf course. It's impossible as well on the app and on the website to track what happened in each group like day to day. You yeah. got to go back in and then they reshuffle all the groups every day. It's impossible to track online. And like, God, if for anyone that wasn't paying like absolute attention, I was paying as close to absolute attention as possible and still couldn't keep track. So like, yeah. what what hope do they have to keep like a casual fan tied into all this? Maybe they're just counting on you'll tune in to watch Rory play golf even if he's eliminated on Friday. It just but- seems so arbitrary too when, when you've got two super hot guys in a group and then... There's a few other groups that, that but just that's going to happen in match play. Totally, I yeah. mean that's the vagaries of of yeah. setting up a 64 person tournament. Randy, where are you at with this? I, I kind of like it. Ah. I, I I do I do think I feel like I was complaining about just the 64 person single elimination. So I I don't know. I don't want to be inconsistent. I think that they was could six do, years ago. No one will remember that if you were. I think they could do some fun tweaks to the group stage. Uh, they could lean into similar to the NBA All Star game and have you know, the, 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 what is it? Eight, 12, 16 top seeds, like pick their own groups, mm-hmm. right? Like give Dustin first pick, maybe do a little snake draft. We love the snakes here. I, I think too, you can make group play double elimination. So, you know, on that first day, you got four guys in a group, have them, you know, two matches, have the loser square off, have the winner square off. And then the next day, you know, the, the guy who has a loss has to beat the winner, uh, two times to advance, something like that. Just uh, what I hate is certain big names. It seems like if they w- lose that first match, they're they can be done, um, and that kind of stings. Well, so I th- I think going back, the the biggest issue with it is there's only one match play event every year. That's the biggest issue here. Where if we had a true, I think that's okay though. I, See, I do. I, I don't know. I love it, man. I think it's I think it just shows. It shows different skills. It shows different. It does. It does. But there is. It's in. No matter what you do, format wise, you're going to get to the weekend, and it's almost always going to be a dud. Like it really is. But how many times? But yeah. But like, go back to Dove Mountain with you know some of those matches. Yeah. You know, like you're going to get lucky, and to a certain extent, you need to educate the fan that a lot of the good stuff is on, like, is on Friday or on Saturday. Yeah. You know, because because I don't think like Saturday morning is always great. Yeah, it, it that's that's the be- that was the best in the current format, right? It's the first time where it goes to true sudden death, and the first time where I can look up on screen and know exactly what yeah. where everything stands. I, I think I think it's weird Friday, like you play an eighteen hole match, and then you all of a sudden you're you end up in a sudden sudden playoff. playoff with someone yeah. else that maybe you either already played an eighteen hole match, you might have even lost to or beaten, yet you got to you know you know playoff to to make to move forward. I would just be so much more in on this format. If there was a true sixty-four or or even thirty-two match play at some point tournament at some point during the year, and then they could kind of throw stuff at the wall on this one, because I mean, think about how many clunker events there are anyway, like sure. seventy-two holes like stroke play events. So I think I don't know. I just I enjoy watching it. It's a it's a good look at you know guys from from around the world and guys that can't compete on every course on the tour. What about I I agree the playoffs are a little awkward especially if you haven't just played that person. Could they do a 
most total birdies tiebreaker, you know, incentivize the guys to but, if but you if find yourself like, in a tie on points, we're going to most birdies. So but, you're but gonna if you have beat to beat somebody too quickly, then yeah. you didn't get to play all the holes. And I mean, and and it's almost like there's but you probably made a lot of birdies if you beat somebody quickly. Sudden, I don't know. Sudden. And as as flawed as that is, like the sudden death is also fun and and yes. enthralling. Yeah, know? like at least you have like that dramatic day, right? Which right now the the Friday afternoon is kind of that thing, but it, again, it's it's convoluted and it's tough to keep track of, to be honest. And they don't cover it well. No, of course not. So you had at least that day of like, dude, Rory might lose his opening match, and here's and I get why they do this. I do. For sponsor reasons, for ratings reasons, all these things, I get why they want more golf. They want the stars sticking around. I get that. I have a little alternative, right? And there's a lot of ideas flowing around out there. What if if you lose, like if you lose on Wednesday, you have to stick around through Friday regardless and like play almost like a pro-am with the sponsor or whoever the sponsor wants to invite. Like they, you go, you have to go play. Like that's, it's a reverse pro am, right? You're eliminated, but you got thirty five thousand dollars to show up. You go play a pro am. Well, here's what I, here's the <laughs> right. Well, we should do, have them do manual labor, like go dig a trench or something. Well, I'm down with that <laughs> too. Some, some tough as nails jobs. Well, yeah. The, um, <laughs> I think a great idea. A friend, friend from Boston, sent me this. Sully, not not Sully, but Sully. He said they should just do a like a, a new flight for all right. So the round of sixty four, the losers from that start their own flight, and let's say they play for, you know, a, a three hundred thousand dollar purse or three or, or four hundred thousand dollar purse. Love that winner Ra- winner take all. Yeah, mm. exactly. All that. Exactly round of yeah. round of thirty two losers from that same thing, and then you know you keep going. So there's matches going. I know all these guys would be beat to shit, or I mean some of the guys would be beat to shit, but they'd still be playing for substantial amounts of money, and it kind of be like a Almost like a challenge. Thing, sure, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, it's I don't know. I I, I really do think because, like I said, it's going to end up with not a lot of golf being played at the end. You're counting on a great match, and if at seven matches again, back to back, thirty six whole days over the weekend, like these dudes are wiped. I don't care like how That's good a condition you are. So it's shitty today. The, the wind blows. The conditions are are you know another factor. It takes forever, and like the golf just is very rarely good at that point. There was some great golf played in the early parts of the yeah. week. I mean, I thought the, the easier the course played, the more interesting the matches actually were. I mean, some of those holes are so great for match play. There's so much land movement. I love Austin Country Club. I think it's a perfect venue for this kind of thing. There's so many interesting pin positions on those greens. So many the ball rolls out there. A lot of different creativity, you know, required in those shots and actual strategy in in playing the holes, and that you can appreciate that when the guys are on and dialed. But as the week goes on, it just kind of slowly, slowly burns away. The other thing I think would be if, if, if there was a way to do this, that we could have like uh, less, less pools or less, you know, um, less pods. And then there was the chance for, all right, you know what? We're going to subjectively, like the committee is going to subjectively choose two guys that didn't advance, but they were in the strongest pods and they <laughs> played their asses off. Some lucky losers. Yeah. I almost think like graded like a gymnastics score. Like you know what, you played great golf. You're in. You're you're through. You got a you got an eighteen point zero. I know these guys that didn't get through that went two zero and one. I you know. Well, I think that's just Ryan Palmer, right? I think he was the only one. Was he the only one? I think. Um, you know, create, they create a couple wild cards. So, I think yeah. I think he got one hundred eighty nine thousand dollars for that. So I think that's he's, the thing. <laughs> guys that didn't even advance from from pool play got so much money. Got six figures. He got one for Brian Palmer got 144k yeah. for being the only person with 2.5 in group play and not advancing. And then the guys at two got like one 113, one thirteen seven hundred. Yeah. Uh, I mean, going through the groups, like group one, uh, Adam Long went toe to toe with DJ for fourteen holes. 
day one and then which i am totally in the camp i'm not in protect the stars camp by the way adam long going toe-to-toe with dj like, is what i'm cool. here for exactly yes yeah and then but i think like some of that gets washed out or you kind of forget some of that like how close the margins are where i mean like like, like long had a great look at going and then lost to 18 uh, or lost on 18 on friday to mcintyre who who hit it to what like, like three, who could say like, allegedly yeah, yeah, they allegedly, never showed it yeah. so like one of the one of the best shots of, of the entire year thus far uh, but i mean adam long is going to is basically going out of group one he's going to advance if mcintyre doesn't nearly ace the 18th hole <laughs> which i don't even think i really yeah. fully realized that and then but. like group two that was all cooch cooch just cooch was the only one that went only one that made the final four that was like undefeated up until today uh, semi-final match yeah. losing that Group three, Rom missed a seven footer on eighteen to tie Palmer, uh, and then one on the second playoff hole. I was blown away at how many guys, how much carnage there was on this on number two. Bunch of guys won with par on number two. Like so many guys bogeyed it. Group four, bunch of certified killers. I thought that was Horschel, Poston, um, Homa. And Morikawa. Yeah, Horschel was in that Friday afternoon playoff with Max Holman and then goes out and wins the match. Yeah, that Dis- was disappointing in Colin. Not not a good showing, but some some tough tests there in his group. I mean, Poston beat the hell out of Horschel on Thursday, you know, and then uh, Poston also putted it into the water, <laughs> which was awesome. <laughs> Friday, um, and then uh, and then yeah, I mean, Group Five Fleetwood was a complete roller coaster. Uh, like watching him against Bryson. Bryson was. Like, you know, Tommy hit driver on, on uh, 18 and then got up and down from, like, complete nowhere on that hole. Uh, Rosner beating. Bryson. Bryson was sick. I believe you said last week, like, who is Antoine Rosner? Yeah, no idea. <laughs> um, still, still couldn't tell you anything about him. And then uh, Scotty had trouble. We, we got to talk about Bryson's match by record at some point. Yeah, like, oh, continue. for sure. It's, which, it's is, which is strange because he's like, he won the USM and he won, know. you know, and he won NCAA. Yeah, Oof. The group six, you had uh, Scotty Scheffler, Xander. Um, there was a nutty finish on Friday with Xander and Scotty. But, like, Scotty didn't really close anybody out all week. Right. He was 1-0-2 in, in, in the group play and advanced out of, out of the playoff. The guy that – so group seven, Joaquin Neiman, really, like, had a tough time closing stuff out. He lost against Bezadenhout on uh, on Wednesday, and then lost 14, 15, 16, and eighteen to Ty Bubba, mm. and then uh, and then he crushed Reed. He was five up after five on Reed, and then he went to a playoff with Bubba. Both of them birdied the first, and then he missed a three footer on the second hole. That was a tough scene. That was after Bubba made like a twenty footer yeah. too. Yeah, uh, I think Group Eight was the group of death. In retrospect, you had Surge. Jesus. Uh, Wallace, Hatton, and Westwood. Uh, watching Neil, Neil had his one of his parlays was was uh, the Costanza or the uh, the Costanza play on the American God save muscle. the queen. Yeah, and he uh, watching Neil grind through that one. Wallace, you know, basically gives it away on seventeen, and then and then comes back and almost holds out on eighteen. Group nine kind of stunk. Mackenzie Hughes won it. Taylor Gooch was. Not good. Which I thought Webb was going to assert himself in that right? group. Like what? what yeah. Something's going on with Webb right now. He's he's just a little off. Group ten, Harmon. I I could have watched Brian Harmon play. Like I, I could watch him play match play all day every day. It's awesome. Um, Cantlay and Harmon on Wednesday was strong. And then uh, Group eleven, Cam Smith hunted down Lonto, won the last three there. Lonto folded. 
Uh, and then Cam lost 16 and 17 to Poults. The, the legend of Poults grows. Uh, Poults? Poults fired back at me on, on Twitter this week. Oh, I, yeah? I called him out. Well, he was wearing the, the purple shirt on pink pants, which I've literally tried to walk out the door with that. And my wife's been like, that does not It's go. the Easter bunny. You, you can't do that. Yeah. And so I posted the picture. I was like, yeah, I'm going to decline to ridicule him because on that screen, it showed his record as three and zero. I was like, if you win every match you play, you can wear whatever the hell you want. He still was like, well, you know, I'm getting in the Easter spirit or something. A little, <laughs> little say, So he's a week early. Yeah. I, I thought Cam Smith was going to do something. I think he, he, he tied Rory with uh, losing 18 and then, you know, didn't get into it with Poults. Group 12, Finau, tough scene. He got beat six and five by Fratelli. Kokrak went all in down the stretch on Zalatoris, birdied four of his last five to win one up. And then, uh, and then Finau bogeyed his last two against Zalatoris to tie, which was tough. Group 13 stunk. Uh, that was Hovland, laid an absolute egg against Streelman, uh, and then he didn't play well against Weisberger, and then it was just a pillow fight. Streelman advanced out of that after Honest Abe missed a seven-footer. Group 14, Berger was vibing on Wednesday, uh, beat Van Royen, and there was a Sea Island pillow fight, Harris English and Brendan Todd with Harris English prevailing. Uh, Van Royen ended up advancing out of that one. Um, Spieth over Fitz, uh, and Wolf over Connors on day one in group 15. And then, um, yeah, Corey Connors didn't bring it 0-3. Brutal. And then lastly, group 16. Um, that was Leash, Perez, uh, Henley, and and Sungjae. And uh, my lasting memory of that one is Perez hitting a nasty driver off the deck on Wednesday and then, and then kind of holstering it uh, against Leash. Uh, Leash missed a... A six-footer on 18 to put Henley away, and then um, that was kind of all she wrote. Perez was impressive all week. He was. He was also slow as shit. He was that as well. Um, so I, I know another. there is another sport out there that does maybe a little bit better with the sudden death stuff, if you'll bear with me for a second here. 68 teams started the tournament. Only the best have survived. Uh, I was just mm. living and dying with the Oral Roberts last night. It was an Oral Roberts fan since you know at least the first half of that game. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers at the center of the action. You can bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It really is that simple. Turn $1 into $100. That's 101 odds. Any college basketball team that's still in the hunt, put, put that $1 on them, and you can take all 100. Don't worry if college basketball is not for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds boosts on pro basketball, hockey, golf, so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your own convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. If the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win, that's code NLU to turn $1 into $100. For a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Also, great twist on the DraftKings stuff is watching, uh, like doing live, looking at the odds during a F1 race. Oh, which yeah. I've never done that live. Well, we're going to talk some F1 later, but watching uh, lap by super lap. I'm curious what that looked like today. Especially. Yes, and like Hamilton or Verstappen was the favorite still, even trailing Hamilton coming down the stretch. It was really, really fascinating to watch. I wish, wish we could play here in Florida because that would have been all over Hamilton. Real quick, just looking to it, Brian Harmon made eight birdies in a row on Saturday That was morning. sick. That match with Bubba, Bubba was awesome. Yeah. That was so good. Bubba seems to yeah, kind of somewhat rounding into form, which is a little bit concerning. But 
yeah, that that this course was set up so well for like half par holes, right? Yeah. Which is going to be winning hole. It wasn't a survival of the fittest. It was you know go out and get birdies, make stuff happen. But you, at the same time, it wasn't all the shots had the consequences you're looking for out of a shot. And there's a ton of variety in the lies. Like there's a, there, it's still early enough in the season. I think it's a kind of a, a Bermuda Zoysia hybrid uh, or mix. Uh, and there's just a lot of squirrely lies. There's a lot of bear lies around there with the firmness and the ball running out as much as it did. That was interesting, but bummed to see Cooch playing well. I thought he was, I thought he was leave, <laughs> leaving our lives, man. <laughs> Randy, why don't you tell us you 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 tweeted something about I think the only thing I saw you tweet all weekend was you being in way in on Horschel. Take us there. Oh, loved watching Billy today. TC and I were were watching it. He is uh throwing off strong American psycho vibes to me. It just everything about him is so I my tweet said it's just overwrought. It's it's just turned up to a million. All his little mannerisms, just his his, his whole deal, right? Anytime he talks, he he's just this like nervous, intense like ball of stress, hyper aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was kind of fun. Just I, I felt more of a like a voyeur watching him today. I felt like I was at the zoo watching some animal in its like natural <laughs> habitat. Uh, it was it was quite a thrill. So yeah, all in on Billy Ho. It is super uncomfortable to watch him like get into a shot. Like it's just very procedural. It's like kind of back forth. I don't even know how to describe. It's like an erector set almost. Like kind of falling into it, and then he executes what's like the most. I'm not a swing expert, but what appears to be like the most technically sound. Like if I can draw up a way to swing a club, it's not to get it all the way back like he does and just swing it with the body. The club never gets out of position, and he hits it. Very, very, very straight. It seems extremely repeatable. So he's he's got obviously got something going the for him. The way that he rotates is aspirational. I mean, it's really, really nice. Like uh, the technical aspect of watching yeah. Horschel up against Scheffler, who was yeah. just, you know, as Faldo is still trying to figure out his footwork, uh, the, you know, through through impact. And yeah, like something like that is was the difference this afternoon. And when they got super fatigued, the guy that was way more, I would say, just fundamentally sound outlasted the guy who's kind of relying on a lot of athleticism. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I think Billy had some really like bad misses today. <laughs> like the one on the par five that he airmailed into the back bunker there. And then just some uh, long were, wedges really yeah, were the most egregious juiced up. Misses. And then, I think it, but like that speaks to Austin country club, right? Because he, earlier in the day when he was in the playoff there, he was playing that hole and all he was it today or yesterday. I don't even remember. He's playing that 12th hole, and all he needed to do was make par when Fleetwood was out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And he, like, struggled to make par. Like, he hit, you know, he hit a bad lag putt, and I think he kind of played it too conservatively. And this time around, yeah, Scheffler's in the water, but Scheffler went out and made five out of that. And he probably knew Scheffler could make five easily, get that up and down after going in the water. So he's still got to try to make birdie, right? And he's, you know, not – it was not a gimme, just hit the middle of the green two putt, and, you, you know, you're going to have the hole – um, which I don't, I don't remember how that actually, I think they both bogeyed it actually, but it's still, it was a possibility that, uh, that Scheffler was going to get that up and down. And when the wind's gusting that much, like it's suit, you could, yeah, I know they took forever. And I know people are all over him for it, myself included, but like when there's that much shit going on, elevation change wise, wind swirling and gusting and like balls reacting differently in the wind, yeah, but you're going to miss in some bad oh, spots sure. that are like, look embarrassing. Like how the hell do you yeah. miss there? But like in person, I bet if you're there, you'd be like, yeah, it's super easy to get like the wind slightly wrong. I just thought it was like Randy was saying today. He's like, they need a shot clock where like wait, like waiting out the gusts or trying to time the gusts. I mean, it was because 
Scotty's my guy, but he he was he was very very slow. It was just I don't know what is it Pepto Bismol that that uh, advertises for instant relief or whatever it was. That was that was Scotty just aiming at tents. And then oh. before he even got to the ball, there's a tour official there. Like, you get full relief right here, edge of the fairway. The one on 15 was absurd. They're aggressive, uh, they're aggressive grandstands, though. Oh. The one in, in corporate tents. Yeah, the one down, is it on 16? The one down the right Fif- side? Uh, 15 on the left side where he hit well, his no, tee shot. But even, like, it's not in play, but it's just kind of sticking out on the jutting out into yeah. the line of play. Uh, but yeah, I mean, shit, the one's like 13. Neil's out of town. He's on the pod this week. He would be furious. He 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 hates TIO relief. Uh, I mean, shit. The one that that Scotty hit and it was under the tarp in the courtyard of the hospitality area. You like, got to drop it like right on the edge of the fairway. Like, yeah, you get to come over here in the fairway. <laughs> what the fuck? I feel like tournament golf. You should make that stuff part of the course. Totally. If you know, if you're gonna have it, make it part of the course. <sighs> yeah, I don't. That seems like a liability. I mean, like like the the one that he that he just bailed the three wood straight into the tent. And then get, you know, granted, he drops on kind of a bare lie and all that. But even then, like, it takes all the strategy out of the hole. Just blast one up there as far as you can down the right. And, it's you dangerous, know, too. They get all the benefits, uh, though, of, like, a tournament setup with spotters and even fans being able to find your ball, all that stuff. Like, you got to take a little little of the bad with the good. Make, if they make made the grandstands one, in play. If they made it a one-shot penalty, guys would not be over yeah. there nearly as often as they are. Which yeah. that would be interesting. That's the edge of, and it's now what you've defined as the edge of the golf hole, right? I mean, it's it's in course OB or whatever you want want to call it, which I'm not a huge fan of. But like, if you want to put grandstands there, that's now the edge of your hole, in my opinion. It's not even like OB. It's just straight up, yeah. Like, yo, it's there. Deal with it, yeah. Right? I don't know. It, it's something something smelly there, if you will. Uh, I did want to shout out Billy's on a nice little money run here at the WGCs. Obviously, winning the match play, finished tied for second at concession earlier this year, and then uh, a, a top ten last year. He's, you know, he seems like he's he's a streaky player. He's a streaky player, and he seems like he's on the come up. Like it, it seems like he's getting very involved in some uh, some of the larger events. So somebody to keep an eye on, I think, as the year progresses. I give him a hell of a lot of credit. Like I don't particularly like him. I think he's chatty, Kathy. I think he's he's. He's exhausting to watch. He wears me out. But to be that cons- oh, nice, great. To be that consistent oh, and yeah. that that um, like just to work that hard and be that diligent about your routine and your habits. I mean, like I, I think Neil and I watched him for probably twenty minutes on the range at Sawgrass, and it was it was exa- I mean, I was exhausted after watching him for twenty minutes on the range. It was just just methodical and and just so just so antsy and so much energy there um yeah i don't know i mean of all people i think you know he's the biggest cheerleader for for Pontevedra here and hq and just the standard bearer for the tour so it's you know maybe other than rory so it's just ironic to see him cleaning up in wgc's <laughs> i i think too like we can we can on the scheffler note it's easy to look at the final match and have that be the lasting thought but what he played such great golf this week just yeah. eviscerated rom and the huge takeaway of course is that he made it to the finals of the totally. of the match play and uh it's somebody tweeted it at stricker like hey i hope you're watching uh you know scheffler right now and he quote retweeted like oh i'm definitely watching so i think uh yeah we have some Ryder cup stuff we do want to talk about 
Um, Victor Perez, Darcy Rossiter. Sorry, I'm way late getting to questions. Says, does Solly want to rethink the Perez as an uh, OWGR manipulator take or no? Absolutely not. Uh, mm. Will not rethink that position. It's not. We don't have to relitigate this, but <laughs> like it wouldn't be a noteworthy performance if like deep down people. I, I got a lot of tweets about the Victor Perez manipulation. If you really were that confident in his standing, like this wouldn't even be that noteworthy performance. Like he should, if he's that great of a player, if the rankings say he's that great of a player, he should be up there more often, right? I mean, he is obviously an extremely good player. He's probably going to be on the Ryder Cup team. He has a lot of good results on the European tour. I mean, but there's no, almost no one that has a bigger gap in like their strokes gain data and their official world golf ranking than Victor Perez. And that's not his fault. That's absolutely not his fault. He's playing the tournaments that he gets into and playing well at them. But it's also trending. I mean, yeah. He, like, Taking out the, the players, taking out the second at the BNW PGA, last which is year. the that's the, the manipulation. manipulation World Series, <laughs> the scene of the crime. <laughs> he was seventh in the seventh in Dubai at the Euro Tour finale, which I'm getting like I'll give that. It's, it's fair, due, right? It's, yeah, it's not getting the boost that the there. BMW PGA is, yeah. and he got. And finishing second is like one of the ultimate boosts. He was T four at the Bone Saw, sure, and then he was T nine at the Players, and then you know top four this week, so. I mean, that's that's some good playing on some big yeah. stages. The the whole point about the manipulation is that you can route yourself towards the top of the world without going head to head. It's the way the that he got the there. Yeah. Not not the fact that he's that he's played well since he's there. Correct. And yeah. it's not that he's not capable in any way. I think people take such great offense to this every time I mention it. And it's that is not the intention at all. I'd love to have him on the pod. I think he'd be an interesting I had dinner with him last year when he was in town for the for the players. He seems like a, a delightful lad. He's a unit. He doesn't swing with a glove though, because that so that's got a, that costs him a lot of points in my book. I don't understand how any of that works. I think he's going to throw the club. That should be extra respect. Like guys like Streb and him should be. Oh, I just I truly don't too, get it. Just too much trepidation from you. Truly don't get it. It's interesting. He's never. He only has one Euro Tour victory. I would you know for being a top thirty five player in the world, mm. you would expect coming on board, Randy. You'd expect a few more. Yeah, I'm I'm saying something stinks. Ollie. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I might be with you here. Okay, a lot, a lot, a lot of Ryder Cup uh, chatter this week. And first of all, I want to remind everyone that the Ryder Cup is six months away. And, of course, another uh, partner of the Ryder Cup is a partner of ours, BMW. Uh, this segment, Ryder Cup segment, we're moving this up towards the top of the show. Uh, we have a lot of Ryder Cup questions that we got, and we're going to get through as many of them as we can. I'm going to start the discussion with this. Did this week change anything for you guys in terms of what you guys are thinking for the Ryder Cup? Who should be on either team, the U.S. team or the European team? Did anything change this week? I think Robert McIntyre should absolutely be on the European team, okay. whether it be captain's pick or whatnot. I think he's he's a bright young star, and they need to nurture the hell out of him. <laughs> the pride of Scotland. Where you need a you need a good Scottish yeah. golfer on the Ryder Cup. Where do you think Robert McIntyre? Like, what what would you say is American comparison in terms of like strokes gain data is? Where who do you think he stacks a one one spot above? Mm. Uh, no idea. Probably, I mean, like our friend Max Homa, maybe yeah. Patton Kazire, Aaron Wise, Richie Bruinski. All right, where are you pulling this? <laughs> that's from, that's data. from data golf. But like, is this but is that just in, in PGA events, or is that Euro? Is that right, is that a limited his sample? Events. That's all okay. his events and all of his events that he plays in. Okay, <laughs> I mean that's fine. I'm gonna. He passes the eye test for me. I think it seems like he's a gamer. And, and well, I think part of the fun of the Ryder Cup is finding out who you know 
who rises above what the bare numbers say, right? And, and who has, on a stage like that, either who has, you know, it is a little cliche, but it, it's, a, it's a stage where guys can certainly make a name for themselves and, and display more than their week-to-week stats might indicate. He's definitely got a pretty inconsistent record, I think, over the last year, year and a half, but you're talking about a guy that won the Aphrodite Hills oh. showdown. <laughs> I was waiting for right. that. And he, I mean, solo third at, but how at, do the Dubai Debra, at, at, at the Dubai Desert Classic. T29 at the, at the Bone Saw. Okay. Um, other than that, you know, he played played well at kind of some some seasoning ending events in 2019. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I think his best golf is ahead of him. I just I just like his game, and I, it, it seems like he's kind of a bulldog. That's where I think captains should. I I think part of the fun, or how I would think of the Ryder Cup as being fun, is trying to cultivate a team. And you look at a guy like Robert McIntyre, who you want to be a part of and a big part of future Ryder Cup versions of Team Europe. And I would rather be a year early on picking him or two years early, as as it is with the Ryder Cup, than you know having to wait two years late. Yeah, I think it's easy to like extrapolate out his game. He's super young, and and I think too, it's it's also interesting to like see these guys play. I mean, for a lot of these guys, this is their first extended time playing in the States. And I think that's a really underrated element of judging these these European players. Is like they're like you're playing a long way from home on a different style of golf, especially for a guy that grew up in Scotland. Like, you know, I, th- I think there's something to be said for that. Where I was kind of going with, you know, this week changing anything, it it really it's hard for me to get super hyped about results six months out in a different time of year on a different golf course in a very different format than the Ryder Cup. And I feel like a lot of people I read on Twitter are like shot by shot changing their Ryder Cup. Like the the most overused thing I hear is so-and-so's got to be a lock, right? Like Kisner's got to be a lock for the team. Do we understand what the word lock means, right? I don't know who I'm actually locking in. Like so much can happen over the next six months. I mean, you could convince me five months from now that Dustin Johnson couldn't be on the shouldn't be on the team. Like if he is battling some injuries and comes yeah. in just playing like shit and doesn't have a great Ryder Cup record to begin with, like and has sometimes had questionable energy around him at the Ryder Cup, like should he be a lock? I would not say so if that's the case. But like if he comes in hot, obviously I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I I'm just amazed at people's willingness to I, I don't see this week as a tiebreaker when it comes down to deciding the team five months from now. Is that fair to say? But I do think if there's a guy that you're not all that sure about or you're looking for something from and he, and he punches above his weight, like like Bob McIntyre did this week, that that feels like... You know, it, but I think it's going to be super interesting for the Euros. I can't think of a guy who whose game seems to fit whistling straights worse than Matt Fitzpatrick. That's I think that's yeah. going to be a shock, like a very very interesting one to follow if he's if he's on the edge on the world points or the European points. And that's what I think people have not put the proper weight in how the U.S. is going to set up this golf course. I mean, we can talk about the Kevin Na, Dustin Johnson dust up. People are like, did Na just cost himself a Ryder Cup spot? It's like this setup is going to be the antithesis of what Na would thrive on. Like they are going to steer into like J.B. Holmes is more likely to be picked than Kevin Na because they are going to set this thing up. With no rough, they're gonna put the pins in the middle of the greens, and they're gonna make it a birdie fest and just a it's bomb disgrace. fest. And okay, so staying on this yeah. on this topic, switching to the American side, or are, are, are we done with Team Euro? We well, can go back. No, I mean, I, mean, I would say just just going back to like Team Europe and like what, like who fits that style of play on the European side. I would say it's probably like like I would look for Martin Keimer to start trending here soon. Thomas yeah. Peters played well down in 
in Punta Cana this week. He seems to be like kind of continually on the bubble there. Euro Ryder Cup team is f- shaping up extremely nicely right now. I mean, yeah. the top of Fleetwood, Hatton, Rom, Rory, and then you flip over to the world list, and you have Westwood, Perez, Casey, Hovland, Fitzpatrick. So then that so that none of that includes Sergio, Willett, McIntyre, Shane Lowry, G Mac, Cabrera, Justin Rose. Yeah, it's Perez is on there in the okay. in the on the world points like it. Their top nine is extremely solid, and that doesn't even include Sergio. And Sergio's ball striking right now is just <laughs> absurd. So yeah, Europe. Europe. It's. I'm not trying to make the case at all that Europe is not looking great. Does Team Rose make the team? I don't. I, I would think Let's so. Hope not probably. Um, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll probably, probably see, see him on TV <laughs> anyway. Uh, but so Shane Ryan sent a, sent in a question. He says, one I'm arguing a lot about lately. Should Stricker pay attention to what happened here if we get a situation where someone like Scheffler or Herschel sits around 10 to 12 in the standings come September in okay form and the picks aren't obvious? I think that alludes to your question as well, Randy. I, I Honestly, I think it's you, you could use it absolutely to support your case for why you want to pick a Horschel or Scheffler. But I don't think it's... It's six months. It'll be. It would have been six months ago, where so much has changed. I just don't put that much stock in this event specifically. But that being said, like if I'm trying to make a pick that might piss some people off, then I would use the match play in my favor if I want to pick Scheffler. Like it, you know. I I don't know. I do want to say number twenty one in the American Ryder Cup standings. I think it has to be a lock. I've seen enough. Jordan Speed Speed. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Another question we got, which was from Crenshaw in Texas. 12th Ryder Cup spot is down to Spieth or Scheffler. Who are you taking today? I mean, You're saying Spieth. Oh, for sure. I, I would take Spieth over probably all but two people on the U.S. team. <laughs> <laughs> Spieth's game it. seems so malleable, too. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm super curious. A guy like Jason Kokrak seems like a... Hmm great fit for whistling straights right i don't hate it all like there's going gonna be here. some like weird weird fits like what what are you looking at for the bellwether for like what what courses or venues are you looking at kiowa i don't i don't know i don't think so again i think this is going to be a heavily manipulated setup right it's not going to be like they're going to put these tees exactly where it's like finau and dj and kepka can all clear the bunkers and Someone like Fitzpatrick probably couldn't. Like that's the whole thing is going to be. Th- I would hope be thought out like that, especially after what Europe God, did what in a France. Scummy, scummy. Oh, look at what Europe did in France. Are you kidding me? What they set the course up hard. They made it like fifteen yard wide fairways with ankle that's deep rough. Sick. It's proper golf. Yeah. <laughs> is that proper golf? Uh, so that that this whole thing just goes to like yo this read thing. We do not need. We do not need it. Come September, the U.S. has so much depth. You know, Reed, Finau, Berger, Simpson, Cantlay, Harris English, Max, Kokrak, Wolf, Kisner, Horschel, Spieth, all, and Scheffler, all not in the top six as of right now. If, if Brooks can't play, do they go down the list, or is that an extra captain's pick if a guy is injured and he can't play? I think play? it's an extra captain's pick it is if, he, if it's qualification. Okay. Brooks is, according to Brad Faxon, he uh, made comments that Brooks's injury might be a lot more serious yeah. than uh, than he had originally led on. But... Um, the the last thing I have to say is Finau. I've I've absolutely seen enough of Finau after this agreed, week. Agreed. Agreed. I, I yep. will leave him off yep. the team. He's on the happily. Team. He's definitely on the team. I agree. He's a lock, actually, <laughs> if you will. Again, and it's gonna people are gonna do this, and and it is a common thing of like just going right down the points list. I challenge people at every stop I can to like look how silly the points list yeah. is con- made up. It's so 
it's just it doesn't evaluate the best players. It's an accumulation system. It's spanning such a long period of time now. It's very random which events get rewarded and play well in a few weeks and it oversaturates your point total. And I just don't you know, whatever. It's gonna do a good decent job of finding the top six guys, and I'm fine with that. But don't don't just like read seven through twelve and assume like that's who the best players will be come match play in the in October, in September. You know, under the lights in the most pressure packed situation. Are you leaving Kisner off the team? Yeah, with this course setup, I would. I mean, he probably made a lot of sense for France, but they're like gonna, they're gonna they're gonna set the course up so that like they have to pick certain players. Even they're gonna gerrymander it that much. I know. I I'm mean, s- I'm scared of that though. Honestly, I mean, it's not out of merit. It's not out of match play record that I would say no. It's like truly form. It's just truly how they're probably gonna likely set it At up. At some point, like, doesn't that kind of suck though? They, they, for, they should, for... The team should not be in control of setup. I have said this in the like way before France happened, way before Hazeltine happened, like. It's kind of silly. If you want a good competitive event, this is not the way to On do it. On the flip side, the European tour should, at, or the uh, the uh, international team should absolutely be able to set the course up. Sure. However, they want in the Presidents Cup. So, if you had to go off the board and and make a pick that doesn't seem obvious, like where where are you leaning right now? The eighth guy on the standings, Tony Fee. Now that's where I'm leaning way <laughs> off the board. No, like if I was going off the board. Um, off the board being outside the top yeah, of 15. Yeah, Scheffler at 22. Like hit, Scheffler's like raw data, and everyone, you can make fun of me for that all you want. Like his, look at what the like what the, what would the market say? What would Vegas say about these guys near the top? Right, they would go off of like their constant ability to get the ball in the hole, their strokes gain data, right? And Scheffler at 22 on this points list. This is before it updates today, and being the 15th ranked strokes gain player in the world according to Data Golf, like there's a huge. That is exposing the gap in this points creation system, right? But if Vegas is going to sit there and tell you that this guy is one of the best golfers in the world, and that's somebody that I would consider way off the board in points, that you know Vegas is telling you some a very very different story. I'll tell you who's my off the board guy, and I know he's you know iffy for team chemistry, but it's Bubba, thirty first in the rankings. But look at his. I'd listen to it. I would listen to it with this setup. I mean, France didn't make any sense, but I think he actually went two and one in France, but. Uh, that did not make one little bit of sense, but dude, it, it, you know, it, he won the freaking PGA there, yeah, right? Or no, he fin- he sat, sorry, he finished second to uh, in the playoff. He lost to Keimer, but like he essentially won that there. Uh, I think that would make a lot of sense. What about a guy like Matthew Wolf? I, that's where I would say if I'm the czar of of U.S. Presidents Cup golf, this is a guy that I think is going to be an important part of our next, let's say five to six Ryder Cup teams, hopefully. I would take him on U.S. soil two years early, break him in at home so he's ready to go in 2023 back over in Europe. If we can get a little bit of form, I mean, he's coming off some of the worst form and kind of just of truly course. withdrawn with uh, wrist Assuming injury. he plays yeah. some decent golf this summer. His body language sucked this week, too. Yeah, it, it, it's something still not quite right there. I'm with you. I'm more in lines of Morikawa. Like I think. I mean, I think he's probably in on points right now at this he's, point. He's, he's fifth in on points, right now. But but, but that, those are the type of guys yeah. I would love for him to air on, kind of a wink and nod towards the future. Than seeing Kisner and Kucher and guys that are like, oh, God, like we don't have to reward you for the last four years. Like that's already happened. Let's look forward. I I I'm starting to think all the task force stuff and you know basing all this stuff off of it's all bullshit, right? At some point, like all that shit, all that stuff's bullshit. Of course, of course. <laughs> I think listening to Hunter Mahan talk about it was 
It was the most it's ever made sense to me in terms of like how Zinger like rolled the balls out and told those guys like go have fun. Like go have fun with this week. And I don't feel like any other captain treats it that way. They treat it as this is the most important golf you're ever going to play in your life. Like we expect to win. Like how can we win this? Let's win this. Let's go win this. Like how do we win this? People are counting us to win it. What chance do you have to play great golf when you're under that kind of well, pressure? Well, I think that's that's right with Zinger, but I feel like even like the task force stuff, all, oh, the, yeah. all the rest of these guys after the task force do treat it like that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like they've not followed this, yeah. you know, you know, free. I don't know. There's no freedom in what they do. Or looking at grooming future captains, like the fact that DL3 is the oh. captain for the President's Cup at Quail Hollow. Like, get the fuck out of here. There's no vision for it. There's no imagination. That's no. part of my problem. That And that speaks to a lot of the captain picks we've seen. Speaking though, I will speak out both sides of my mouth. I would absolutely in a heartbeat take Phil Mickelson on the Ryder Cup. Oh my God! Just Randy, pure entertainment product. Pure entertainment product. Come on. Uh, anything else from WGC this week? Any other notes? Uh, we have. I mean, we didn't get to Sergio's walk-off ace against Lee Westwood. That oh. cost me some DraftKings points. That one hurt a little bit. Tommy Fleetwood had an ace on the same hole. I think. Th- I think Fleetwood will lament this one. For a while, I think I think Tommy Tommy was playing really really good golf. He hit some weird shots down the stretch in a couple of his matches. Not to mention the one he hit OB. Um, yeah, that hurt in the playoff there. I mean, he he. You can he kind was, of extrapolate that out into some of his, his career, yeah, career no, and performances, which is what's scary. Some of it, I mean, maybe is it like do does Tommy need to start going by Tom, mm. and does Scotty need to start going by Scott, Ricky? Yeah, Ricky. When he Billy hit thirty, and I'm Bill? the father of a kid named Freddie. Like I may start calling him Fred now, <laughs> just to get out ahead of this. Yeah, wh- how many wins does Horschel have to have before he becomes Bill Horschel? Or wh- William Ho? William Ho? Yeah. Um, question: We got. I we almost missed this one. JD Coleman seventy four was Kevin Na being a jerk? Either call it or keep quiet. His comments serve no purpose. I I agree. Like either be like either just mention something on the next tee or. Play it by a letter of the law. So here's like, what I, happened. He wanted his cake and wanted to have it. I, I disagree. Randy, where do you... Well, let's, let's set up what happened first. DJ misses a, a putt, leaves it to six inches, and DJ whacks it away before Nah has a chance to say it's good. And Nah has a three-footer left to, to tie the hole. That's the scenario. So, D, Randy, where do you stand? Where did you stand on this? Um, I loved it. I think it was a class <laughs> act. Mentoring a younger player in the moment, I couldn't have been... Uh, it was just so great to see. I'm the team. whole hand on the shoulder thing was a little much, right? It was, but like it came from like DJ, like not even bothering lift, like <laughs> listening to it. He's trying to Which explain is to him. Sick. It is, but I'm team Naw here because, and this may be very different of what I said when this happened to Allison Lee or whatever, because um, that it's different in this scenario, right? And it is like you don't DJ put Naw in that situation, right? DJ broke the rule, and even though it was an obvious gimme, like. That's technically just putting Na on a hard spot. And he said after, he's like, I didn't want to be standing up the three-footer thinking about that. Uh, like, th- that happened. So he just, like, said to him, like, why don't we call this a tie? I don't want the win. Call it a tie. They probably didn't think the cameras would be all over it and there'd be a big dramatic story. But, like, he could have gotten – he could have won the hole with it if he wanted to. Like, he technically could have. But kind of said to DJ, like, look, don't, I don't want to putt this right now, but you just, like, broke a rule. And, like, now it's in my head. Like, let's just move on. Like, this is probably what would have happened, but I don't even want to risk losing this hole right now. I, I get it. I mean, it's a tough spot, but I, I guess I just look at everything that Kevin Nod does through the lens of like, he's like a thirsty drama queen. There, there's <laughs> almost no chance on if this was, scenario was flipped that this would have happened. <laughs> DJ would have never cared. Like this would like it's so funny that that happened with these two where 
you know, and Kevin Na was had no chance to move forward. He still had some money he could have earned, but uh, and Fauda was just like flabbergasted. He's like, he's, he's got nothing to play for. Why is he even doing this? Which I kind of disagree with, but uh, but again, I mean, that, I guess that's protecting the field, though, too, yeah, right. Um, how old do you think Na is? Well, I, I, I know, you know, I, yeah, 37, 38, he's 37, yeah. DJ's 36. Just, Kevin Na's got such an interesting. Career. That's wild. he's a fascinating dude, <laughs> he is. and and I get it's a it's way too much a lot of times, but I do. There's a big part of me that that I I like Kevin off. There's just so much of it that seems like disingenuous or hyper aware of the exposure and the I how he looks. I think he's just kind of sort of re, I don't know I. I think he's just rebranded himself a little bit from this super slow dude to like which no, I'm kind of funny and like walk it in guy and I don't I don't know I, I he's just I'm a down novelty to me but like I and I want to respect because I, I was kind of coming around on him after I felt like that took a lot of stones to regroup from not being able to pull the trigger yeah. at uh, at uh, TVC Sawgrass you know I mean shit what was that five six years ago now. That was 2012, I think, or 13, maybe 2011, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. almost 10 years ago. And, and I mean, the fact that the guy's never lost his card. Oh, it's amazing. Since, you and know, then Perez since being and out there. Howell are like some of the wildest, wildest possible careers. But I, I think he's just kind of deeply uncool, which that's, yeah. you yes. could say that about a lot of golfers. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's true. That's, it's <laughs> fair to say. But, Anything else? I think you know we have uh, some notes here, and we kind of covered a lot of the Austin Country Club stuff. I thought the the setup was really good. I thought for the most part, aside from the hospitality tents. How are you playing eighteen? If you, I think it depends on the pin. I think they did kind of a shitty job explaining it for the most part of the week. I think a lot of people got a lot of tweets like eighteen's a shitty closing hole. I'm like, to a back pin, it kind of is, but it, it like that front pin with Spieth and Kucher was super interesting. I had so much fun watching it. Yeah, to all the pins, man. I mean, it's just it's so awkward, and it's like playing plinko down there down the right side. Yeah, it's a it's a true decision. A it's it's a total luck down there. It's a total rub of the green down there, and then it's the most awkward uphill blind. 35 40 yard shot up that hill no matter so where good the for match is. play it's yeah. it, like if, the, if a tournament a stroke play tournament was ending on that hole i think it'd be very different but it's like hey dude go both of you guys play this par three and a half you can find, figure out any way you want to make a three but you kind of got to make a three here if you want to win the hole and if you make four you probably lose the hole that's cool that's fun like that's what makes a really good match play hole and i was surprised so like spieth and and kuchar when they got to it they, you know, they were in the book for there for a while trying to figure out what to do. And Speed hit driver, but didn't get it all the way to the upslope. And his pitch was yeah. way harder than Kuchar's. Kuchar's just flopped it right up there and hit it close and won the match. And like that was the deciding moment. So I thought that was sweet. I will say that the drive that Scotty hit uh, this on at the end of the morning uh, earlier today was so cool. like that kind of step through super low bullet runner mm -hmm. was awesome. Yeah, God that that. 17's a wild 17's hole to watch. So cool. There's some really good par threes that kind of funnel some some funnel pins out there. I think maybe too much for your liking. No, well, no, I don't have as much of a problem in in match play. Okay, where it's just you know, hey, one group, it's both guys have an opportunity. Uh, it's I don't know. I, it didn't bother me as much this week. Yeah, and I think the other big takeaway is just like Sergio's hitting it concerningly well. <sighs> really, really good. Two weeks ahead of the Masters. I, I'm I'm done with his whole deal. I, it's too much. Take take all of that away. Well, and you know, obviously, and uh, <laughs> I, obviously. I, you know, just always saying hi to the kids. Just I don't need it, Sergio. <laughs> take 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 that on along down the road. I feel like he he threw off your home game models too. 
I know. They, yeah. Your home game models were a mess this week with Sergio and Fratelli and so I said, Scotty yes. and Spieth. I know. All sorts of fake, fake Austinites, right? <laughs> Which uh, maybe are the real Austinites. So maybe, <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's the lesson. Do you guys want to do Bryson NFTs next or Corrales? Corrales kind of let's, snuck up on let's us. Let's do Corrales. Yeah. Let's, let's give Good it morning, due. Joel Damon. PGA Tour winner in his 114th start. Awesome celebration at the end and just the true, like, gut wrench. I don't know. I, 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 I can't – I don't want to try to convince people, like, oh, opposite field events are so much better than WGCs. But, like, only time I felt something all week was watching him and Rafael Campos play the 18th hole today. They mean a whole hell of a lot. Same yes. shit. Same with Brandon Grace's win down in Puerto Rico. Yes, exactly. As well, uh, yeah, I think I, I was gutted for Rafa Campos. Uh, oh I, I do want to say like he had some of the worst outfits I've ever seen <laughs> this week. Uh, but I, I thought that putt was dead center. I mean, the wind out. blew it out. Like he thought it was dead center. I think putter rays. Oh, we both gasped. I mean, we both thought it was in. He had yeah. just a big high five ready. That was amazing. It like affected. I, I'm super happy for Joel, who's been a you know a great contributor to our podcast and it's been an awesome dude to us. And like it honestly affected my enjoyment for Joel, like that lip out. I was like, yeah, it's so gutted. For, I have no relationship with Rafa Campos, but it just felt so bad. But for Joel, like that emotion, you know, pouring out after he won and just saying out loud, like it's so hard to win a golf tournament being in tears. His wife run on the green screaming. Like and he's not an old guy. Like it's not. He's somewhat of a journeyman. 114 PGA Tour starts. That's not counting like Corn Ferry Tour, Can Canadian Tour, like all the shit that yeah. goes into being a pro for many, 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 many years for your one chance to win a tournament and to execute it with an incredible shot into 18 with a long iron. I don't know what it was, but every time I flipped over to that broadcast this week, the wind was absolutely whipping, and to survive that for 72 holes. And to win, hats off to him. I'm I mean, sure the think about Whew. he's 33. Kevin Nas four years older, but think about the arc of Kevin Nas' career. Right. How many years he's been out on tour versus Joel Damon, like finally feeling like, all right, I can exhale a little bit. Yeah. Right? Uh, I also want to give a shout out to the the winner outfit that they give him. Oh, it's amazing. The, the, the white shirt, Grupo Corrales. <laughs> they, they had that, they had that guy on the on the broadcast. I watched a lot of that broadcast. That's a really hard 18th hole. Yes. And just I, it shows like it was that, easy last year though like the yeah. wind was totally different. That course shows really cool on TV. I don't I, I honestly can't tell if it's a good course or whatnot from TV, but it 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 shows expansively and there's some really cool ocean holes and it's just fun to watch on TV. I enjoy it. A lot of short grass around the greens, a lot of weird grainy chips and. Just I saw. I mean, some of the shots coming down the stretch. Those dudes were coming up thirty yards short into the wind. That was like tough. They, tough to watch that Michael Giglich. Uh, uh, I think they cut to commercial. He he came up short on his. We, and on we his switched. Approach. We switched back to the match play, and we saw him hitting his par and We're like, oh my god, what happened? <laughs> How bad on was that the chip? chip? Yeah. Jesus. Um, uh, yeah, he bogeyed. I think sixteen and eighteen to lose uh, or to finish behind by two. The tour tweeted out the the letter that Gino Benelli sent to Joel, like when he got his corn fairy status or web status, like asking to be his caddy. Like it's it's intense. Of like. I don't think you understand how much I love golf. Like, I don't care how this affects me financially. I want a caddy for you. I'll work the hardest of anyone, blah, blah, blah. And it was super cool to see, like, their emo like the two of their emotions after winning and stuff. So I'm sure. Uh, what a great shout, too. Said the boys at Mesa Country Club, open up the tab. I'll be yeah. home in a week. <laughs> like, Damon's the best, man. Like, like is he really going to show up at Valero this week and, and, uh, I, I, and play? Like, should, I, I feel like he should just fly home tonight, right? 
Well, I mean, I, I think he's played some decent golf hungover before in the past, right? It's true. So, um, when like kind of an uncharacteristic, he's he hasn't played very well this season. I took him a few weeks in a row on the like the beginning of the West Coast swing, and he was super super cold, like not really his style. So it's good to see him find some form. I got two more things from Austin too that we forgot about. Scotty kind of getting crowned by that little lip of grass. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, a joke. And then uh, the tour, the tour, or the, uh, the 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 tournament tweeting out earlier this week, like the best or like the the most beautiful back nine in all of golf, period. Did you see that? I missed that. Did you see that? Oh, Did they delete God. it? Uh, I don't think so. They they got roasted pretty good though. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's a very much a nobody PGA Tour oh, best totally. back nine, and it was so it was so like. You know, firm and definitive. Fat, like, definitive, yeah. Like this is this is it. Period. Point blank. I uh, to to to. Good morning, Damon. Uh, I'm already dreading the coverage that we're gonna get over the whole summer. He's gonna join the Max Homa crew of like, you know, this guy is good at social media. <laughs> you know, pretty active on social media. Wouldn't believe he's actually a great interview. Like, <laughs> yeah. we're just now discovering this. Yeah. He's a very interesting, dude. Joel Damon. You know, he's he's. One for social media. Great Twitter follow. The fact that he won without a bucket today. I think it was too windy. And wait, he bucket. switched to the baseball hat with a few holes to go, yeah. which I think when he started going back into the wind, that was his, uh, yeah, th- things, oh, these boys are pumped up. I'm going to have to take this a little seriously. Big win for the troops. Yes. Salute the troops. <laughs> and Billy Ho, you know. Former troop. One for the, yeah, <laughs> He's a veteran. One for the discharge troop. On the LPGA Tour, we has not closed out yet. They're on the 18th hole, as we say. MB Park has a five-shot lead over Lexi Thompson at Aviara at the Kia Classic. I, I feel like that's been over for yeah. quite a while like now. Three and a half hours. It, I think it's been over since the second or third hole today. <laughs> She's been on cruise control. Um, we had mentioned at the top of the show a shout-out to Madeline Sagstrom for her crazy uh, Saturday 64. She is T13 at the moment. She had a tough little stretch uh, today, but wildly. That's a, quite a successful week, but... I didn't get to watch a lot of that. I think, uh, gosh, there was a lot, of, a lot of golf to catch up on this week. But now it's officially major championship week on the LPJ. Well, I, I want to say something that's Please. bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is putting them in that 9 to 11 uh, broadcast window on Thursday and Friday. I, it, like, how, how's anybody supposed to watch them when they're on it from 9 to 11? Right? Like, I, I had to go out of my way Friday night, which speaks to the current situation of my social life. Uh, Was this PM, you're saying? PM. Yeah. Yeah. It, Totally ridiculous, and it chapped my ass because it just brings up some discussions about perception of of women's golf, and and nobody will nobody specifically at Golf Channel like they they won't talk about how they're broadcast and presented. It's I, I just think it's it's very bad. How could I, riddle me this? Is this too crazy to have imagined that if the WGC and Corrales were combined into one broadcast this week? Like, how is the NBC slash Golf Channel supposed to do two PGA Tour events and an LPGA event? Like, how something's not like that's not adding up for me. Like, how how are you supposed to do all three? You yeah. just you can't. Right. You have, right. There's two matches going on today. Like, how could they have not? I flip. I'm flipping between Corrales and WGC. Of course, commercials on both of them as I flip back and forth. Well, shit. How about them leaving the playoff? Oh, on the European Tour this week. Yeah. yeah. For to go to. To go to early play at the Corrales, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you clearly don't know how contracts work, but uh, yeah. So, so that's the answer, <laughs> right? Is like, well, contracts. Sure. sure, we we all understand there are contracts. I guess what I'm saying is, 
if we want to like change perceptions and we want to, you know, if that truly is the goal, which, you know, you tell me that's the goal. So I believe you when you say that's the goal, then we're going to have to, you know, in your, not, you know, sign some maybe different contracts or get a little bit creative. And yo, check it out. Guess who negotiates on the LPGA tour's behalf? Now it's the PGA tour. PGA exactly. Tour. Yeah. So I don't know. Just, just a little disappointing for me. I, I was a bit uh, chapped on, on Especially Friday like night. a good, good, uh, good venue, good like a very well supported tournament out there in prime time. Like they could have, they could easily. It's it's freaking tape delayed at from nine to eleven too. It's not even a live right, broadcast. Right, right, right. It there we're like fifty steps away from this possibly being you know being possible. But there can be some. I think there's a there can be some creativity in how these things are presented. Right, the WGC when there's four people on the golf course. They, first of all. They still struggle to show every shot, but like Bring you can Scott Hansen. combine. Yes, you can combine this in some way. Like I, I, I need to see if you're gonna have three tournaments that you're running on between the NBC family. Like I need to see some creativity. Or in how use you present NBC that. Sports Channel or like yeah. just do something. Yeah, do anything, great. something, <laughs> do anything, please. Like, like that's such a miss for them on Friday afternoon when all that shit's going down to not be able to. Ha- you know, half of it happens on playing through. <sighs> There's no there's no it's nimbleness between jumping around. It's it sucks because it's such a good day of golf too. Yeah, Ng Chun got DQ'd on Friday for not signing her that card. Was sick. She was in fourth place. I didn't. I don't, How do you not sign your card? That is weird. It. Yeah, you play tournament golf long enough, you should you should remember to sign your card. But there's some weird stuff with COVID and like weird protocols and stuff that I I don't know. I could kind of see it happening, but it, there's did, probably did a reason why it doesn't happen. The other. Person, I, Probably. I she had tested the other person's yeah. card and then just slipped. I don't know. Shout out to Marina Alex. She's, she's uh, I think this is her second start after coming back from injury. T13. Annie Park, friend of the program, also T13. Yeah. Uh, the, the Korean women. I mean, I'm looking at one point there were eight in the top 15. It, it continues to be the, the race for the Olympic team among the Korean women is probably the most the sweepstakes, the, the most highly competitive uh, golf that will be played uh, this summer. Yeah, but, I mean, fantastic leaderboard out there. I mean, shit, the top 10, Brooke Henderson, Nelly Korda, Daniel Kang. I, it's, I don't know. It's They, they deserve to, to be in the mix a little bit more, I think. Speaking of deserve to be in the mix a little more, is it still not totally messed up that this Augusta National Women's Amateur is opposite a LPGA major? That sucks because I think, uh, like, I get it on both sides. Like, the, the LPGA doesn't want to move. Yeah, the the traditional weekend for yeah. one of their majors, and the way that it works for Augusta is they want to have it sure the weekend, rolling into the Masters, yeah, the weekend before, which makes total sense from a you know publicity standpoint and everything like that. So I don't know, but some something's got to give, right? Something's not quite right there. I, I'd I'd like to learn a little. We're gonna do we'll be doing a little dive into the A and A this week. I'd like to learn a little more about it. I'd like to understand what makes it a major. Really, you know, it's the dinosaur, man. I know. I I want to I want to. Dig into that just a little bit, but um, on the Symmetra Tour as well, we have uh, Gabby Ruffles finished in a solo fourth place on the Symmetra Tour. Dude, she's so good. She's making things happen pretty quickly. <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to give a shout out to Fatty Cano as well. She, she played so, she played so well this week. It was a super windy day out there. I guess they're in Beaumont, California, which is halfway between Palm Springs and like Riverside, Ontario, Bakersfield, that whole inland area that I know nothing about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's she's playing exceptional golf right now, and I would be shocked if she doesn't get her LPGA card after this year. 
Sophie Hausman, uh, which candidly I don't really know anything about her, won on the Symmetra Tour. Uh, but some starts for our young our young hitters out there. So continuing to monitor the situation. What is next? Can we do some pricing the NFTs? Please. Randy, can you explain NFTs for me? I, I literally I cannot. <laughs> and uh it's it's you know it's a non flushable turd. I right I, yeah. I've had I just like this no less than twenty five times have I asked like other people to explain it to me because I I still hear other people's explanations and I still don't really get it. Well, here's what, what you know some of what I've always remembered uh, like Buffett and and Charlie Munger saying is like if you don't understand an investment like you just don't invest in it like don't even worry about it like there should be no reason why you would ever invest money in something that you don't just naturally completely understand. It's one and, of those things where I feel like, am I am I getting old? Do I not get it? Right. It's like, no, this sounds like, I've, I've tried to understand it. And it sounds so fucking stupid. And people have explained it to me. I'm like, cool, like, I still don't understand it. Well, and that's so, what raises the alarm bells for me. Here's my best explanation, right? Can you explain why a Honus Wagner square with his picture on it and some stats on the back, why that is worth like $2.7 million or whatever it's worth? Like, Along those lines, somebody at some point has determined that that was worth this. That's just scarcity. But, but and, that's scarcity. And yeah. value and how people yeah. value it that value this stuff. Yeah. So if you create a digital signature on this like piece of art with like a basically it looks like you put it through a free app on your iPhone of you, you posing with two fists in the air at Bay Hill and try to sell it to somebody. Like you're just trying to convince somebody that it's going to be worth more than that at some point. This digital signature, this one of a kind thing. That you'll be able to sell it if you buy it for fifty thousand, you'll be able to sell it for sixty thousand to somebody, and like the value of these things will keep rising. And it is tough. It sounds like a very bad. Like if this went on Shark Tank, I think we get like eliminated. But, but like, there, there's a market for this for being stuff. Like from the value going way way down because nobody gives a shit. But and and I would, it's a bubble. I would get it if like the creation of the NFT coincided with any digital copy anywhere being removed from the internet. So essentially right. I am the only one who owns this highlight. Yes. Like if you look it up on YouTube, not there. The PGA tour can't DMCA this piece but of that's, content. But that's not it. the way it works. No. I, at any time I want as non-owner of Bryson doing his dumb two fists in the air, I can go watch that clip anytime I want. It's not even the clip that he was selling. He's selling like an image a of him. Of like a, literally like put through an iPhone app. Slash looking looking like a painting image that's like kind of shitty art. But how many people could have could have taken a picture from that exact spot too that were in the in the gallery that day? Right, but it's the creation of the digital signature on it, which is like on a whole I, I, whole I, different I, note, like horrible for the environment, like the energy that. And I totally takes understand to like, blockchain and how yeah. all that shit works, and like I get it, but like <laughs> I, this I don't is totally still understand fucking it. stupid. It's really stupid, yet. Like Bryson, so I've read this article on BroBible.com, uh, the great journalist of our time. It just says something awfully shady appears to be going on with Bryson DeChambeau's NFT auction. And Eric Patterson from The Score was documenting this on Twitter. That uh, so basically you can place bids on these NFTs. I still don't really know what they are, but you can bid on them. But up to the point where the auction ends, you can cancel the bids. And on sev on three of them, the bidding was like ended early like with a surprise like people that had put a bid in i had been like yeah i was planning to cancel but they ended the bid early and i had to pay blah 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 for it so like they were doing some backtracking saying that you know the funds haven't been exchanged or anything like that and, and 
some tweets were I mean, deleted. What did they pay forty some thousand dollars for one of them. <laughs> Something like fifty. Yeah, some of the distances. Uh, the distance card. It was one of one. It included. Uh, a meet and greet with Bryson, an autographed U.S. Open flag, a custom set of Cobra clubs, a thousand dollar Bose gift card, and six dozen Bridgestone golf balls. But that—that's the thing that throws it off for me. Is it's like this a, thing can't stand a, alone. Right? A, a card should never be worth that much. Like three weeks after it actually happened, like whoever had a Honus Wagner card back yeah. in 1920, it wasn't worth anything. That—that's the whole point of it. Is it, just a lot of alarm bells going off. What what a dumb. And why do what are you going to do with it if I have it? What, what do I display it on my like, you know, picture frame that just scrolls through my <laughs> digital pictures at my house? What do, what do I do? Do you have one of those? No, but <laughs> I think you those I think those are I don't no offense to anybody. I think I don't need that. Like what? You you hold it and then hope it goes up in value and you'll be able to convince somebody it's worth 20% more than you paid for it. But like why did you collect baseball cards? I, I, I don't know. It wasn't to like sell them, right? It was because like, oh, I'm a big Ken Griffey Jr. fan. I'd love to have this card and me and my buddies are going to get together and like show each other cards. Maybe we'll trade them. Which somebody said, this I, is I so stupid. I didn't understand that baseball cards are like back in a big way. That shit's going gangbusters, right? <laughs> New ones are like buying Just old the, ones. the whole market in general. Really? It's crazy. It's hmm. it's it's hot I, as I've been out of that game for a while. Yeah. Anyways, it sounds like Patrick Mahomes and some other like Gronk actual famous people have done these like for charity, like made yeah. them and sold them for like millions of dollars. And then Bryson got like sixty six thousand or something for it. And then some of the I, I don't know. I'm still kind of confused by it, but it didn't sound like it went great, despite if you read any golf website, it's like, oh, Bryson's the first one into the NFT. Well, that was the other thing. Like the you know, some of these Publications that have a business relationship yeah. with Bryson being, you know, breathlessly promoting them. Fuck off. Also, we have uh, from at Lamp Lampin Nil One Lampin E One. What are your thoughts on Bryson's online presence on TikTok, YouTube videos, etc.? I think it's refreshing to see a golfer do something like that, but it's clear that others don't. He posts a video, or somebody that it was at his house posts a video of him coming out of his main room with the U.S. Open trophy, rushing to do a set. On one of the gym machines in his garage that also has his dumb ha- his logo with his the dumb hat on it, and it's the most awkward like thirteen year old cringe video you'll ever see. And it was posted freely to the internet, and I do not know, understand why that was. KVV said it well. Content King, where he said he's like, yo, like the, he's not pissing us off, or he's not like getting under our skin. It's just like we just like. Just like marvel at this. We're allowed to shit on him. Sure. Like it's not bothering us, but it's kind of sport to shit on him at this point. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. I was going to say, you know, I, I hope he and his buddies had fun creating that video. I don't, I don't want to tell people how to get their kicks, but I, I'm i allowed to like watch that video and say, that's the dumbest <laughs> video I've ever seen. Bryson makes Kevin Na look like the coolest guy on the planet. Yeah, I was going to say, it goes back to like some golfers deeply, deeply uncool. Just like socially not adjusted. He, uh, PFT commenter had a go. He was like, "Yo, he's he's basically dude perfect dude on perfect steroids, on, like steroids and HGH and all that." That's I that's the perfect summation right there. It just like it wasn't f- like funny. It wasn't like creative. In well, we're talking about the same guy that released a 15 minute B roll video of him cooking bacon shirtless in his house, you know, during the quarantine. But like it is just so for everyone that was all over me for calling like his post round interview cringe, like. This is what we're talking about. Like this was actual cringy. Like it was, I it was so uncomfortable to watch this. It was just like I wish Brooks would have clapped at him. It, it's it's truly the definition of we're not laughing with you, we're laughing at you. Correct. 
Well, I don't even know if it's like designed to laugh with and you. Then, and then he's the exact kind of guy that's going to pull up his bank account and say, well, look, there's $24 million <laughs> in here. Gotcha. Well, add, add like 60000 or whatever those NFTs were. A <laughs> um, few other notes uh, to get through. Jordan Spieth, news came out this week that Spieth played for the better part of the last three years with a bone chip in his hand. Love it. God, I love it. We're back, baby. I, I somebody sent us a picture of he had his wrist taped at the 2018 Ryder Cup. I don't remember that, but uh, if that is the case, who knows? Well, you know, I've never heard one one peep about this, but like that would explain a lot of poor play and bad fundamentals, and like him somewhat getting it back if he's healthy now. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. It's also kind of the point where like he could have said that to some privileged insiders, and they could have made a lot of money like fading him, fading him, right? <laughs> That is interesting. Or but, he could have used that as an excuse, as like, uh, you know, quickly, quickly use that as an excuse anytime over the last couple of years when people were he's the very publicly questioning him. Yeah. It truly, you know, he, he answered the question for me, are you hurt, dog? Uh, he's pouring his heart into this shit. He was, he was injured, not hurt. He yeah. was injured. But he was still playing. Exactly. If the driver, what, what do you think about him for Augusta? If the driver is like oh, on the love, planet, yeah. love it. It's gonna be a leash speed playoff. <laughs> no, I, I I do honestly. Yeah, so do I. Of I course, mean, I he's do. Got, he's got to look. You've already made the sale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a. I think he's like the third favorite on the board or something like that. He was like fourteen to one the last I looked, which is I, insane. I mean, honestly, but it's not. If we take him at his word, and he had a very serious physical ailment over the last couple of years and now presumably he's on the other side of it then god i'm i'm buying all the stock interesting ailment to be able to like play through that and not shut it down for a while and not like know that it like is it just not going to get better if you shut it down for a while or was he just that stubborn and wanted to play through it and, and just prolonged it I don't, yeah, maybe it wasn't that serious. That just was the first I'd heard of it um, was this week. Actually, so I see, this is from, I'm reading cbssports.com from seven hours ago. It still has him as 25 to one for the Masters, which seems not right to me. I thought he, I, I thought I saw him at less than that, but DJ still the favorite at six to one. We'll cover all this in the Masters preview pod, but. Are you, are you buying or selling DJ right now? Um. I, I don't you think, think he's I'm buying. Towards I don't, something. It doesn't feel like it right now. Does it to you? No, but I just, you know. I don't I know what the price is right now DJ. either. It seems like it might be a good time to buy the because he's kind of. We're two weeks out. Two weeks out. I think it's a hold right now, right? Yeah. I, I don't like him at six to one. Yeah. I'll tell you that. I would not bet him at that. No, absolutely it not. It almost just feels to me like he's trying not to overexert himself or. He's just trying to kind of coast in. He's probably should have Saudi Arabia <laughs> like that, like that Mercedes this morning. Probably should have gone to Saudi Arabia if that's the case. Yeah, that's um, true. Too. Rory McIlroy has added Pete Cowan to his performance team, which I thought that was pretty. Uh, has been working with him since at least the players, I, uh, I gather. But yeah, whatever he needs to do, do it. It doesn't sound like there. It doesn't sound like he's left Michael Bannon. It sounds. I, I'm I'm a little confused as to what the setup is actually like, um, but I I wonder if he's like if it's if he's digging too deep here. Like he doesn't seem he was a little off the players. He had big some big numbers and and His obviously wedge bad play just sucks. Wedge though. play sucks. I feel like he's got to marry up those two swings. Yeah, it just didn't seem like he was as far off as he seems to think he is. Which obviously he would be much more tuned into that than I would, but. It's a it's a surprising move right before the Masters, I would say, and who knows how long this has been going yeah. on. But um, I mean, I, th I think it's encouraging that he's 
that he's changing up some of the variables, right? I think it, it's I, true. It was. It's been a little bit frustrating over the last year or two that it seems like it's been consistent inconsistency, and he hasn't changed up any of the variables. And, you know, what's what? It seems like he loves having Harry on the bag. So, what's one of the other? The only other variables besides equipment is swing coach. For for listeners who I'm sure are wondering who who have been some of the pupils of uh, Pete Cowan in the past. I don't have the list right in front of me. Oh, you put okay. me on the spot here. So I'm not the guys. only one who doesn't have the <laughs> Like uh, uh, current pupil would be Matt Fitzpatrick. He's worked extensively with Stenson. What, what nationality is he? He's a he's a bloke. Oh, yeah. love that. Graham McDowell, Louis Ustays, and Danny Willett, Sergio Garcia, Darren Clark, Henrik Stenson, uh, and many other players going to his Wikipedia. His whole financial. Okay. But he's kind of a mysterious sick. guy. The financial thing, and this was in the Golf Digest article that somebody tweeted at us this week, but he basically says no salary, no set salary, but 4% of any top 10. And like if you go to leave him, you're expected to like make good, whatever that means, but pay him whatever you know you should. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, you're leaving with all this knowledge that I've given you. And you're going to make a bunch of money with it in the future. And like somebody left him and didn't like make good with him, and then tried to come back. And the rule is, if you leave and like don't make good with me before you leave, like you can never come back. And some player like tried a top fifty player in the world and a Ryder Cupper is who he said it was left and tried to come back. And he's like, no, I don't think you were listening. Like you can't. You're gone. Out. You're done. Like you're <laughs> you cut off. You're dead ah, to me. And it's a totally subjective. You want whack Arnold's? You got to measure. go through me. Like, you know what? I know how much yeah. you made in the preceding <laughs> yes. two years in your swing <laughs> or five years. You haven't changed your swing. You're still using the exact same swing. It's awesome. I want the royalties. We I, we're gonna be hunting that guy down. <laughs> he's for a, a yeah, he's a like just watching him. I remember watching him out in over in Abu Dhabi on the range, working with shit half the field, it seemed like. And he's he's always wearing black. He's just a he's a really, really like interesting cat. I dig it. I dig it. I remember when I went, uh, I went with Chad Coleman from who was at Callaway at the time. I went with him to the 2015 Open Championship, and like I'd never been to any of this shit. Like he took me in the Callaway truck, and like Henrik Stenson was there or something. And I was freaking out. Like I'd never been around tour pros at all. And I, this guy, this old guy, kind of come, older guy comes sauntering up to me and just starts asking me all kinds of questions. Like, oh, where do you live? I'm like, oh, I actually live in Amsterdam. He's like, oh, no way. And we just talked about Europe for like 25 minutes. It was Pete Cowan. And we left, and Chad was like, what were you talking to Pete Cowan about? And I was like, <laughs> I was like who? He's like, Pete Cowan is like one of the top instructors in golf. I was like, oh, I didn't ask him any questions. <laughs> he was asking all, me he all the probably, questions. He probably I, preferred it that I way. felt like an idiot. But um, We're going to talk some Formula One here in a second, but Randy, you are on the you're on the spot here for our little what's in the bag for March. Mm. Uh, you are going to tell us about anything you want in your bag. I have a feeling you have something in mind, but uh, this segment is brought to you by our friends at Callaway. But you, tell tell us something. Teach, learn me something. Sure. Let's. Uh, I I think people who know me know I'm a big hybrid guy, mm. and so I want to mm-hmm. I want to shine a spotlight on uh, my my favorite hybrid in the bag right now. And that is the Callaway Maverick Pro. Uh, it's a two iron hybrid that I carry. Is Eight, that 18 degree? That's 18 degrees. Um, I've been very, very impressed with it. I got it late in 2020. So, candidly, I've maybe played 15 rounds with it. Um, you, my, got it you got it before the Oregon trip, right? Or during the Oregon trip? No, I didn't have it in Oregon. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was like after after um, that stretch, which takes a lot of courage to change up the setup after a big win like that. That's when you start. You got time to tinker <laughs> exactly. now. You have your status. Well, locked it could up. have been one of the reasons that you didn't 
punch your like you know bump the hybrid from all over the place <laughs> exactly, in that yeah. season it was yeah. so sad to see you get away this storyline's got he like one time didn't bump the hybrid everyone's like no, he's abandoned he was it. playing the ball through the air at bandon yeah. around the greens it was disgusting no i kind of have i lost a little bit of the feel for it but mm. when it's going well it's 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 honestly a 15th club in my back but why i like it i was nervous so i don't have anything in my current setup from i, I have a huge gap from like a, a really a three hybrid four iron, um, which even the three hybrid I can, if I really flush it, it's maybe going 205, like 210 if there's a ton of roll. And then three wood, if so I, I'm left with in that 210 to like 220 yardage, trying to finesse a lot of three woods, like choke down, just trying to work that in there because I have no other option. And so I wanted to get the two iron, the 18 degree hybrid, I was really nervous that it would be like hard to hit. Um, just you know, any like two iron gives me a little bit of uh, anxiety, and could not be more thrilled with it. Uh, great ball flight. Uh, I found it, you know, a large center, uh, like what feels like a large uh, center of contact, uh, sweet spot. It performs really well out of the rough, which I've been shocked by. That was the other concern I had was, okay, one of the areas I really like to use my hybrids is when I get in the rough and um, a two iron, you know, is it, is it actually going to be able to get that ball up and out of the rough? And it, it's passed a lot of tests with flying colors. I love to go to it now off the tee where, you know, I'm looking for something 215, 220. Big Randy's got less than driver. <laughs> yeah, just a little fairway finder. It's become just the most comfortable club in my bag, and like I said, added bonus, uh, I can bump it around the green, so it's it's truly a, a 15th club. You're always a tough guy to fit into stuff because you hate offset. <laughs> yeah. So like you're playing, like you'd probably be your game profile would probably be a great fit for like the the just the regular Maverick or the regular Apex Hybrid. And yeah. Instead, you're you know you love no offset, very small head. And, and you're the same way with your irons, too. And I think if I had to, again, I don't, it's bad that I don't really know my own game, but if I had to guess, it's because I come from so far inside and try to like flip it at the last and you second. You can't close it fast enough. That and... offset on the irons, it just is like Shank City waiting to happen. Um, so, yeah, big shout out, Maverick uh, Pro Hybrid. I have the two iron, um, they carry them in three, uh, three iron, four iron. Um, I'm actually, you'll be like, well, why don't you have it in three iron? I actually have the new Apex uh, Pro hybrid, so I'm, I'm mm. giving that a shot right now. But You got me wanting to try a hybrid, man. I've been struggling with my driving iron lately, and I think I might, I might flirt really? with it. You've been struggling with the driving iron? I've been struggling a little bit with oh. it. I think I broke part, I, I damaged part of it. The feral little thing came off, and now I just, it doesn't look good to my eye. I, Hybrids are fun. Thing. I can't wait, you know, another 15, 20 years, I'm going to be hybrid up to like seven iron, I think. <laughs> <laughs> are you not a five wood guy? No, I don't have a five wood. Yeah, I, I don't know because I think I hit the hybrid so well. I they kind of are overlapping. I might try five wood too. I might. I'm looking to flirt. I'm looking to get get weird. I'm Thank you, Big Randy. I'm starting to get back to the point welcome. where I'm excited to go back right handed because I miss <laughs> I miss hitting. Yeah. Get creative with some yeah. stuff. So that you can't wait to hit a righty bunker shot. I'm so excited. <laughs> Formula One time. There will be no more golf talk on this pod. Well, so if you want to leave, you please. You actually, can. oh, <laughs> I do want to say. I got DMCA'd yesterday. Mm. Oh, that's what a thrill first, on a first Saturday. Time, first time. I put it up on a Friday night. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Rom, I think, flicking off a boat. It looked right? like it, yeah. <laughs> Flipping the bird to a boat. 
on uh, on Friday. Which is new perspective from his. Yeah, you know, he's working on his emotions. An intrepid uh, follower, you know, sent it over and said, "Hey, eat your heart out here." And I, lo- I love just just throwing a shot across the bow at, at uh, PGA Tour HQ at 7.38 p.m. on a Friday night. They so were even, working efficiently. Even though there were layers there, it was like somebody else taking a picture of their TV. And of, their, then, of their computer, yeah. Of their computer, but, but you were the account that tweeted that video. And then it, and then it sends you this video. thing, and it says, hey, your account is locked out. And at first you're like, oh, shit, my account's locked out. And then all you have to do is just accept. You know, I, I know you can only get like, there's like three strikes, right? But it was my—I think it was my first one ever. My first one in a long time. The Olympics used to be really, really deep into it. And then I also want to give—I do want to give a shout out to the Corn Ferry Tour for doing a live feed on Twitter of the playoff mm. uh, today. That was a big like point of contention in the past, and yep. they've, they've basically said, "Hey, we're going to do this. If it's if it's not a televised event, and we have a playoff. They are allowing Kevin Prize and the in the uh, the social team to get out there and and you know live stream it, which is great." I also meant to give a shout out to Andrew Yoon, who was uh, in the lead at one point on Friday afternoon, who Monday qualified for his first PGA Tour event in three years and missed the birth of his second child to play in Putacana. I didn't see where he, I think he ended up somewhere near the top, uh, near the end, the bottom of the top 20. Uh, but yeah, he was leading at one point, and it, a interesting story was developing. And I, I, uh, it, that was a little, a little uncomfortable just knowing that he missed, like watching him, like really rooting for him. knowing he missed the birth of his son, but he finished in a tie for 22nd this week. A top 10 would have got him another start, obviously, but he missed that by a few shots, but that was interesting. Okay. On to the real exciting stuff, man. Was it hard to flip over to, for, to golf after man. watching formula one this morning? I was exhausted. We are back, baby. Crofty and Brundle. Oh, they were they were in rare form today on the telecast. Spirits were high. Yeah. What a just wonderful start to the year. That if that is any indication of the new competitive balance at the top in Formula One, like we've we've always loved the midfield battles and everything going on, but if there is an actual race like that for half of the races this year, that is going to be such a refreshing change. So of pace. many storylines. Otmar was unhappy about and not being able to cheat this year. The new regulations. <laughs> Vettel got right, right, fitting in nicely at his new team <laughs> with, a, with a penalty. Well, uh, how about Mazepin going oh, off the track was, after three turns? That was Just the highlight of the day. A dream, <laughs> dream start for Haas. Haas might need to, like, Haas is going to be dangerous in, in the worst in way. In a really real sense yes. of the word. Yes. Like they don't belong out on the track. Like the car's not awesome. even close to competitive. Um, um, I, I was gutted for Pierre. I, I thought Pierre, you know, they talked up how good his car was all week yeah. um, with with the uh, the nose damage early on. Um, I thought and the, just never had it after that. Yuki acquitted himself well, ninth in the points. There were some early concerns, but the last half of the race, he he really turned it on. Um, I, I thought uh, the prancing horses are back, Ferrari. They have it. Are they back or they, they they don't suck? They're not dumb trucks. They're not dumb maybe. trucks. Yeah. yeah. But all credit, I mean, I got sixth and eight. The story of the day for me, everyone wants to talk about Lewis, everyone wants to talk about Max, all that. I get that. Checo. Sergio Perez. He's an absolute dog. <laughs> Started in last place and ends up in fifth. Um, he, not the first time he's done that in Bahrain, and he looked quick in that Red Bull. That is going to be, but also like a sign of there's still a learning curve, which he said there's going to totally. be around this car. But like, the fact that he did that the first week. Yes. Like had to start in the pit lane. Um, and I th- there was very much like a, uh, I don't know. Red Bull had to like almost on the fly 
do some things that were like sportsman. I don't know. I don't know the true sportsmanship of Formula One, but it was like Max had to very quickly when he passed Lewis on yeah. the near final laps, but he passed him off the track. He had to like give the spot back to Lewis, and I know that. Did that come straight from race control? I think they, to yeah, Red Bull? they sent it to race control and said, "Hey, you're either going to get a five second penalty yeah. here, or, or like pass we can yeah. let you, you know." But I, I think that was just that was almost like soccer, like an injury in soccer, yeah. like you give the ball back. It to It seemed opponent. like, and then Max was all, you know, like yeah, pissed afterwards, saying, "Hey, you know, I, 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 I could have stretched it. I could have stayed, five. and then t- and like, no, no dude, dude, that's that's sociopathic." Did Lewis bait him into the into? Going off the track there, do you think? Good question. I don't know. It, it was like it was an early move. I don't think he needed to do it right then. That was not his only shot at passing it. It was super interesting. It was super ironic because Lewis had been bitching about the the track stuff because they had warned him early in the race about leaving the track. Like well, Lewis did it so many times, and the yeah. corner played a great move and got on the radio to Max and said, "Just by the way, Mercedes has been doing this the whole time, so you can run off turn four as much as you want because they're not doing anything about it." So didn't go bitch to race control, and then finally I think something came down. And then down. one of the commentators, because they had been really inconsistent about it all week too, but they basically said, hey, like we're going to keep an eye on this. You can't do it. Yeah. In in the the former, like the, you know. The supplemental regulation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I thought it was. He like, can't keep getting away with it. I thought, like it took a lot longer for Max to catch up with Hamilton's Hamilton. so good. I mean. On worse yeah. tires and a car that maybe is not as fast as the Red Bull, like. The just racing was just fucking perfect. Max was he was saying he was fighting the car a little bit though too. So early on, but I didn't feel like that he yeah. was later on. They were saying I, that he's always whinging about the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was God. God, the broadcast team is so good. They were I mean, it was an interesting like it was a strategic race. You had the early caution and then there was the virtual caution and then yeah. and then after that the undercutting it, moves were awesome. Like the the all the the uh uh yeah Bodas got got Done dirty on the uh, pit stop. Uh, uh, he's such a bitch, though. <laughs> he was he was so salty in the in the in the post race interview. I, I like Checo better than Botas yeah. going forward yeah. uh, week to week. I, I do want to shout out my guy Lando too. Just a very professional race. He was finishing fourth in that McLaren. Uh, Ricardo left a little something to be desired. If I'm being a honest, a lot to be desired. Maybe he's just getting used to the new car. We'll, we shall see. Tell you who I like. I think he's just he's just sporty. Just an old wily vet. I'm I'm start I'm already starting to like Fernando Alonso. Hmm. Just seems like a. The, the, I think they called him a wise old owl yeah. at one point. Yeah, just a just a capable <laughs> capable hand. The Alpines are did not look good. I yeah I don't trust them, but we'll see if if anybody can get something out of them. Uh, I think Alonso will. Shout out to Alfa Romeo who finished eleventh and twelfth. <laughs> no points out of that. Well how, yeah how about how about when because um, they were the next ones to pass right when uh, Lewis and Max were starting to kind of go at it, and it's such a weird a little weird wrinkle little where ball. you can you can do DRS when you're lapping somebody. Yeah, which, which is wild. I, that's where I was like, where I thought Hamilton had the best chance to like hold on is he knows some little move he can pull in terms of like waiting to pass the guys in traffic so that I can use DRS and Max won't be able to use DRS. And you were suggesting too that you know. Toto was was playing inside baseball with yeah, Williams. That was bullshit. God, Toto. Toto's just the goat. That was a yeah. George Russell, who's managed by Toto Wolf, who's the team principal for Mercedes, slows. He was they was not letting Hamilton pass until he got to the straightaway, so Hamilton could use the DRS to get by him. That was that's a hundred percent Toto move for sure. 
Prove it. it. Prove it. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's not even illegal, but it, I'm assuming it's not illegal. But that is absolutely a factor. It, it felt like it felt a little like uh, like Lewis and Max almost have a. I don't know. Uh, this is a little half baked, but it was it was almost like a, a late late in his career Michael Jordan against like a up and coming Kobe Bryant where mm, like this you know Kobe's got all the physical attributes and athleticism uh, and he's just so eager and it's like man Michael's just got that bag of tricks though and he's got the officials in his pocket too and a little bit of that yeah. and and it's like you know what the goat the goat will stay the goat for a little while longer well I think Max Max did make a mistake where like Red Bull and Red Bull could have set him up better for this where he didn't have to let him through right then and there. He could have waited another turn or two, right? So that's the the best case, or that I that I read was that he let him let him through in the wrong spot, right in the worst spot to yeah, go. He it slowed down like, they like crazy. He lost bit. all of his momentum. Yeah, and, you know. But yeah. but and, but, it, but I would throw that at the feet of of the team and not of Max because it was just super interesting to have two cars that are extremely competitive because then you get to see. The strategies play out, whereas yeah. them utter, uh, undercutting and pitting before red. Like I'd never really seen that play out at the top of a race, right? Because Mercedes' car last year was it's just so for freaking fourth good. Fourth or fifth, exactly. Yeah. But to undercut and get in front and like basically rely on Hamilton's racing on worse tires to beat uh, Max on the you know tires that had five less laps on them at the end was just super interesting. Like because none of the passes they they exchanged first, the two of them just exchanged first the whole race. Neither of them passed each other at any point. It was all undercutting. It was all through pit stops that they were getting past each other. And uh, it was, gosh, it was, I, I'm so happy to have Formula One back. I hate to have to wait three more weeks well, for the next weeks, one. Three weeks, it's terrible. Which, you know, I think it's going to be. Good time at the Masters, though. Yeah. So we've got Italy, uh, and then and then a week off, and then Portugal, and then right into Spain. And then, uh, and then Monaco and Azerbaijan. The the Monaco Azerbaijan Montreal. That stretch. That stretch is going to be. I I'm so excited because those are three that we didn't get last year. TC wants to embed for that three week stretch. He told me Can that we, three race stretch. I'm thinking about working remotely from Azerbaijan. <laughs> That'd be so sick. It's one of my regrets. The places I never got to was Azerbaijan. Like, I'm just things. so excited to see a sh- like a proper street course. You wait, know? Till, wait till Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. It sounds like it's going <laughs> to yeah. be the woat track. <laughs> Uh, Mike McGee, 51 the, the Bones Hawk Grand Prix. From a business standpoint, how can F1 show an entire race with zero commercials? I watched the broadcast for 90 minutes, and I'm not sure they got anything out of me other than my ESPN slash cable subscription. I think, a, I think Gulf Air paid a lot of money. <laughs> they got a lot of oil money. Uh, and there, there are, yeah. there are, you probably subliminally see countless advertisements that you don't really take in as ad, as ads. It just seems to be the complete opposite structure of American sports leagues and the PGA Tour, which is like your most valuable thing is your live television rights. You know, that's how if you're relating to this to, this to golf, you know, the networks pay a huge amount of money to the PGA Tour to broadcast them so they can sell, you know, commercials on it and the tour pays its players that way. Whereas in Formula 1, the money comes into the individual teams through their sponsors, which is why they have 80 sponsors on their cars and jackets. And that's where all that's where the major I would assume the majority of their money comes from. Whereas, and they view the television as a marketing tool. So it's the a billboard, yeah. So ESPN in the past, and I've read about this, took used to take the world feed, like the Sky Sports feed, and just like abruptly add in commercials to it, and people lost their <laughs> shit. And now they no longer do, and it's like a loss leader for 
uh, ESPN, like they pay whatever rights are and they don't run any commercials on it. And I'm not sure how all that works economically, but like, I think it's also worth noting too, that it's, it's broadcast on sky in the UK, which is pay TV. Exactly. So they're not like, it's not just a, an ad revenue model yeah. there in the UK. Um, and I can tell you it's brought to you by, um, mother's wax, yeah. which is the like car, car polish, uh, product. <laughs> and I mean, that's not to say too, the, all the, all the ancillary, like the, the bumper shoulder programming is worth a great deal like those commercials yes are worth a shitload they do their their pregame show was fantastic and yeah, their post game uh, i yeah. don't know if you guys saw that like they they have toto and and horner together like talking to like facilitating that conversation almost right after a, a race where you know their their two drivers uh are, are duking it out it's it's awesome randy it was, it was cool to see the cfo get some run on the for the mercedes <laughs> yeah. yeah he got to go up and uh lift the constructor trophy <laughs> the run out of people to go send up there uh the abaco asks if you could transfer one aspect of f1 coverage over to the pga tour what would it be like the leaning into you know just like, controversy yeah just you know the way that they cover it and the way that they like they like that feeds into the competition. That feeds into the intrigue. Biking up the players during yeah. the competition. Yeah, the audio between you know the, the true intimate audio that you get between the race teams and the drivers is unparalleled. Like it, it just tells I mean, the whole story. I mean, shit. Even the the like Otmar was like they had a guy in the pits and he was he was on the telecast at that very time and it got super <laughs> yeah. loud when he was on there because the sick. car was in the pits. And there, I don't think I fully appreciated this last year watching it, the strategy of not giving away too much on radio. Like, I'm surprised right. teams don't speak in code. Maybe that's illegal. Like, I'm sure there's probably some rules around that, but it's it would be I don't I wouldn't want to give away like hey really struggling with the front left right now because that those messages get relayed. To well, them they or, they said today that Red Bull was like doing like doing Morse code or something yeah. on the uh, you know on the steering wheel, yeah. sending those messages through because they didn't want to telegraph their strategy wow. to Mercedes. Uh, Vett, and then lastly, like Vettel, he just seems like kind of an asshole. Yeah, you know, and like he's, he's he seems like he's got a VJ streak to him. There, there was somebody said that during our trap draw. I said that about Raikkonen. Oh, about Raikkonen. I yeah. think it's like Vettel kind of seems like that, where he's just salty and he's he's he takes pleasure in in being being salty. I saw the meme where I forget the one meme where the guy like shoots the other guy. And it's like, that's Vettel to Ocon. And then it's like, wait, why did Ocon do this to me? <laughs> he ran right into him. Ocon was a complete non-factor today. He was. Like he usually is, unfortunately. unfortunately. God, that was just awesome. I'm so excited for this season. It's going to hopefully be... I am I'm, I gave you guys a lot of time to congratulate me on winning week one of our fantasy week, but I didn't hear any congratulations. Did you win week one? Oh, I didn't tabulate, did you? Yeah, I, th- I believe I did. So. I, I have to be in last by How a How much did shot. you... So, uh, so with Lewis getting... What twenty five yeah, points? I get like sixteen point six points out of from him. And then I got how much? You got you got eighteen from Max. From Max, and then Yuki. You got two from Yuki, but I got okay. four from Signs and one from Stroll. Okay. So uh, very, you know, Neil might actually be in second. What with he has? Botas and uh, Charles Leclerc. And he gets the flying lap. He might be the, at first, actually. I just knew <laughs> that. <I'd be> tra- <laughs> who, who had the fastest lap today? Botas. Botas. Uh, Sick strategy. He pitted, put on softs, oh, totally. and got it. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, it was there for the taking. Yeah. I think uh, Yuki Yuki definitely uh, made a mockery of Stroll there at the end. But did they even show that? I didn't no. even see that. That no, was they, little. They, 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 they kind of missed that. They lost track of the the midfield battle a little, a little bit. bit. They were getting very excited though about. But that. But it was like, yo, this that is the first Max, time we've had this yeah. in years. Yeah. 
Exactly. All right. I'm yawning, so I think that is a wrap for this this week. Um, anything else before we go? Oh, Randy and I are hopping on with the Huntsman shortly. That, oh, tonight? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Emergency. God, I didn't know that. Emergency I would have wrapped this up off. way sooner. Check the trap draw if you need to learn about the Suez Canal Guys, situation. I am sorry. I would have gotten you out of here way earlier. Head to the good. trap draw feed right now and pick up on that one. Thanks, everybody, tuning in. Uh, I'm off next week, so you will see these guys uh, next week, and then it is Masters time. Cheers. Crack on. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect.